Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman. This must be episode 240. I had a chat with Lucy Roche. She is a comedian. Uh, she's a stand-up comic. And I had seen a couple of YouTube clips of her and then I went and saw her do um, a headline set at uh, you know a comedy event. And I uh, was keen to talk to her. It took a wee while to put together after that, but she came around. She's also a sex worker. She talks about that as part of her act. So I thought it would be interesting to speak to her on, I guess, both of those topics. Uh, it was interesting to, ha- to meet her and have this chat because... Uh, She's of a younger generation to me, so we have completely different comedy heroes uh, and we have completely different, I guess, uh, backgrounds and philosophies around what comedy is. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that interaction. And it was interesting talking to her about how she's managed her her mental health and how she has how she looks after herself in these in these two jobs which in completely different ways uh, were obviously both affected by COVID Um, and so that became part of the conversation too. I enjoyed this conversation and I hope you enjoy it too as always Sweetman Podcast is brought to you by Yeasty Boys and Tea Leaf Tea and this is me chatting now with Wellington stand-up comedian Lucy Roche. I usually say to people before I hit record um, that if there's anything you don't want to talk about uh, or go into, you can either tell me now or, um, you know, if you come to something and you think, fuck, I don't want to yeah. actually go down that path, you can so, kind of just give me this. But I feel like that's null and void when you're talking to someone who gets up on stage yeah, and I'm, talks about I'm themselves. Yeah, well, you've, you're the one opening the book. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, yeah. I've already hit record because, yeah, I feel like anyone's going to say something damning about themselves uh, uh, you know about you it's going to be the comedian themselves right yeah ideally pretty much ideally get in there get in there first (laughs) (laughs) well i'm interested to know i mean i've seen you perform on um this actually on the stage and also you know some youtube clips and stuff Mm. so i've been aware of you doing stuff and i'm always interested in talking to comedians and also i guess like i was thinking about it um you know we're we're come from different generations so uh, I'm curious to know how you found comedy and I guess why uh, so I started doing comedy well the first time I did comedy was class comedians in 2012 mm. like as a lot of people have mm, done class mm. comedians um, you yeah, see that's instantly different like there was no outlet like yeah that, I, not you know not not that I was looking for it but people my age Absolutely. looking for that. It, it's yeah. a great um, gateway into comedy because they teach you how to do stuff like it's a mm. you know uh, it's, a, it's a high school mm. program where they take people who want to do stand-up um, and you have like a mentor who teaches you the ropes and then you put on a sh- lineup show at the comedy festival and it's, it's a great introduction to it you know just learning the rules and, and yeah so I did that um, and then I then I stopped doing comedy for a few years because I mean it's hard when the problem with class well, not the problem with class comedians but when you are in high school, you can't really go to bars and stuff without yeah, your parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. that kind of is discouraging. Just It is what it is. Uh, but then in 2015, I, I got back into it. Okay. Well, let's let's take a step back. I mean, where did you did you grow up here? Yes. Yeah, so you're Wellington. Yeah. yeah. And so what are you doing as a, as a kid? Like, what are you interested in? What sort of things do you gravitate to? Um, writing, art... That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. All yeah. the ho- all the hopeless, um, you know, artistic. Yeah, pursuits. N- n- career path. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dead, dead end career exactly, paths that are, are financially non lucrative. Yeah. And um, they attract dreamers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the first time that I, you know, I would have started watching stand up just like on TV. Yeah, I would have been like 15 or 14 and, and watched Seven Days as well. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then, Which, then once I realised, oh, it's actually all scripted. Mm, like, I don't know mm. why it, you know, took me a while to click. And I was like, oh, maybe that's not so hard. I thought they just got up there and were just amazing. See, that's, <laughs> that, that's another kind of new development for, for I guess, for people of your generation too. Like, as, um, you know, when we grew up, there was no stand-up on TV mm. and no local stuff. You know, and yeah. in fact, for me, I, I kind of grew up in the in the era in between where there had been particularly sketch comedy in the 70s mm-hmm. and early 80s and I yeah. have some memories of that um, through through reruns as much as anything right. and then there was just this dead air where 
there, you know, obviously there were working comedians, but no, you know they couldn't get on the telly, right, for the longest yeah. time. Yeah, that's and true. And then, and then there were a few of them that were paving the way. Yeah. And then there was this explosion. TV three has largely mm-hmm. led that charge, but Seven mm. Days is kind of the flagship, right? Like, Basically, and so you grow yeah. up watching, yeah, going, oh, I want to see some comp, or just stumbling upon it, just finding it by flu. Yeah, yeah, because it was just on. Yeah. TV. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. I yeah. This was like pre Netflix and yeah, everything yeah. about 10, 10 ish years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose that's when Seven Days sort of started. Yeah. It's about 10 years Yeah, it is. Maybe. Yeah, which is amazing. And again, that's amazing. Things that start like that in New Zealand often make it limp along for a season or two, and then everyone forgets about them. Well, yeah, I thought Seven Days was, was cancelled, but now yeah. it's. Yeah. It's risen from the ashes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be the. Um, the Shortland Street of stand-up comedy for New Zealand, really. It's going to have that longevity. <laughs> sounds cruel. But it's going to have that yeah. longevity, and it's also probably going to have that thing, that 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 initial cringe, and then, no, actually, this is this is what it is. I'm familiar with this. I'm comfortable with this, and this is reflecting us. And this yeah, is, I think people, people yeah. generally view it favourably. Yeah, yeah. Unlike a lot of the, the cringe that, obviously, we have towards our own. Yeah, yeah. Programming. Yeah. yeah. And also, I imagine YouTube is um, a source for you True. to, you know, yeah. because it is for everyone now, but, you know, it, you know, I, we would grow up hearing about SNL or something like that, mm. and you couldn't access it. Yeah. And now you can access it. It's in your news feed. It's on YouTube. There are clips of things. Yeah. The whole time, you just go and find anything. Yeah. I mean, if you see a, a stand-up on, like, a lineup show where they want yeah. to like, three minutes, and yeah, you can just YouTube them I and was, see their whole... Whatever that they've got out there. I was thinking about this knowing you were coming around. I was thinking like my, probably my absolute benchmark introduction for, com- uh, for comedy is um, Eddie Murphy's Delirious on videotape. And that, you know, See, you probably, know you probably don't even know what that is. That's what I was thinking. Like, I didn't Who's want to quite assume. But, but, you know, I was like, that wouldn't mean anything to you. But that was something that was sort of passed around to us because it was risque it was a little bit naughty right, you know yeah. like we were and of course now it's it's viewed arguably as completely problematic he uses the n-word non-stop right. he calls people faggots he's, yeah you know it's it was yeah. it was the mid 80s and yeah. that doesn't excuse it but it does explain it yes yeah yes but we as kids saw it sort of a few, a few years too young to really see it so it had that it naughty, naughty, yeah, it had that naughty yeah. factor, yeah, and um, you know it didn't matter who, what. Like yes, he was charismatic and funny, but what really mattered was that he was dropping f bombs. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, and then on a second or third screening, you go, oh, there's some actual wit and humour and craft. Right, it was more I about see. the shock value. Yeah. So it just seems like yeah. um, the access to comedy has just so far evolved from that now. You know that you can yeah. just find whatever you want. And well, you can, we, yeah. Just coming back to the shock value thing, mm. like a lot of new comics go for that. Yeah, yeah. Donor. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure I did as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so you class this uh, class comedy thing. This, yeah. Yeah. Comedians, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, were you like, was that part of an overall kind of thing to get into acting, drama? Well, like, okay, I was doing drama in high school and I mm. enjoyed it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just, I guess I. When I was like 12, I won the speech competition at my school, so maybe I was like, you know, thinking back to that, and like, mm. oh, maybe I can be funny on stage, mm. um, but I was like, you know, quite like a reserved sort of teenager, kind of shy, and mm. didn't have a lot of friends, you know, so it was like a good um, outlet to like have a voice, and that's why I think a lot of like sort of shy or quiet people do performing because you can like express yourself in a controlled environment mm, where everyone mm. is forced to like listen to you and mm. yeah. this is an interesting thing isn't it like I always think about the number of people I've spoken to who uh, are some sort of actor or musician some sort of performer mm-hmm. uh, and it happens a lot with comedy mm-hmm. and and or um, you know improvising sketch comedians really zany stuff yeah. And you meet them or you get talking to people and they, they're they not only quite low-key and reserved, yeah. but they talk about how they've, in their background, they have found things tricky, they have been shy, they, they would describe themselves as introverted. And you go, yes. what compels you to do this? And is it about conquering that? Is it sort of, 
is it some way of getting over any of that, do you think? Um, I don't know. I think for me it was just, yeah, being able to have a voice and mm. express it. It just seems like such a leap. Whenever I, I mean, your story does too. Like whenever I hear someone go, their version of, mm. you know, I, I, I was pretty quiet and low-key. I thought I'd get a microphone and talk to people, um, you know, and, tell, and try and make them laugh and be judged on that. It sounds so brutal. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I guess I, yeah, tried to think about that. <laughs> um, and also, um, yeah, like, uh, just comedy in general, like, I found at the time is, like, a great coping mechanism when you can just try and turn everything funny or be mm. like, one day, if something bad happens one day, this will be funny or, you know, everything that you dislike about yourself, you're like, I'm sure other people will relate and... That's it's such very a, cathartic. It's yeah, cathartic. yeah. That's such a fine line between um, comedy and tragedy. Basically, one informs the other. Yeah. They are essentially versions of the same thing. It's mm -hmm. just the lens that you're looking through, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. So you take you 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 don't instantly. Right. That's my path. I'm a comedian. You you as you say, it's too hard to go to clubs to to build an act. So what do you? Are you well, I always wanted to come back to it. Right. Like, I I loved it more yeah. than anything that I had done, like doing the class comedians, it's like a holiday program, so you're there nine to five, you don't really have your school holidays, mm. and I think at the time I had like a really bad cold as well, but I was like, no, I'm like, that's really determined to, to turn up, and the first time that you, um, so there were like five of us, and the mentor who was James McKese, sitting around, and you read your joke that you've written, and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is any good, and then everyone cracks up, you're like, oh... Mm. That's like the high that I've been chasing ever since. Just that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was... <laughs> exact moment where you're like, <gasps> yeah. It it feels like it's it's that simple and that difficult <laughs> comedy. Yeah. That that is that's the moment. I've just just started reading the um, book of Jerry Seinfeld's routines that oh, he's okay. just published. It's like every job, every scrap of paper. Oh wow. And um, he's just Amazing. cleaning out his closet and going, here's everything that I wrote yeah. down. And some of them made it to the stage and some of them didn't. And yeah. it's, you know, but in his intro... the process. But in his intro, he, yeah, I mean, he's arguably the world's most successful comedian financially. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you whether you like him or not, yeah. he's achieved on a level that few have. Yeah. And, and he talks about essentially chasing that high still and going, I still go to yeah. comedy clubs. I'm going to take some of this material that I've never done before to the clubs. I'm going to try it out. Yeah. It's going to bomb. And sometimes it's not going to bomb. And yeah. that's such a good feeling. Strike on but it, stri <laughs> it, it, it strikes me that that's a tough thing to wait. Like, I'm really into the idea of bombing on stage. I think it's really important. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but everyone it's, does uh, it. everyone <clears throat> does it. I mean, I've, I, I get up and read poems and I've also played in bands. So I've had some experience on the stage. It's mm. not a thing I do all the time, but I do know what it's like to to bomb and I do know what it's like to get that elation yeah. of, hey, you know, they liked me. They liked that. That was yeah. cool. So I, so I do understand it. But yeah, The highs are high and the lows are yeah, low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that seems um, like a strange thing still to want to chase. It seems like a tough... Um, uh, well, it seems hard to reconcile that you know you would want to live in that in that flux. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's an maybe it's an adrenaline thing. It's it's like how, you know, people say like, oh my gosh, I could never, I could never do comedy. You're so brave, da da da. Mm, you know? mm. <laughs> uh, but it's like I could never, I would never go bungee jumping or something. Maybe it's like that. A different mm, kind mm. of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. You know? So you so you're bite, <coughs> so you're biding your time, with comedy. You know you're going to go back to it. Mm. Are you thinking, you know, is there anything else that you're, is, is potentially dragging you away from it? So I moved to Auckland to do creative writing at AUT. And uh, I dropped out after a year. It wasn't it wasn't for me. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't, I don't know if I think it was a good course either, but maybe it's changed. Uh, yeah, like I think AUT is a strange place to do that. Mm. Anyway, mm. Um, I've heard that. And so I was in What Auckland. sort of um, creative writing were you particularly interested in? Or was this a all-purpose thing where you had to sort of submit in various forms? Or like? Yeah, I mean, it was like the first year was pretty, yeah. like, I don't know, basic. Um, I think I was, I was interested in, like, novels probably at the mm. time. Because mm. that was something that I really loved, like, as a kid and early mm. teen. Mm. Like, trying to write 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was doing that, and then it didn't work out, and I had a lot of, like, anxiety and stuff, and so, you know, I think one time I signed up for an open mic at the Classic in Auckland, and then I was like, oh, I'm actually I'm too scared, I don't want to do this, pulled out. Um, but then when I moved back to Wellington, uh, which I was like, oh, so good to be back, you know, fuck living in Auckland, uh, I, I started doing some even more low-key open mics, mm. the ones where it's like, only, basically, only comics there, mm. so no pressure at all to just get up and, and do that. Mm, mm. And is it is it a pretty, I mean, supportive um, bunch of people, like, you know, when you go to those sort of raw talent open mics mm. but beginners you know yeah. first timers and yeah. and so and, and there are levels you know i um but are you uh, you know hopefully no one's a a jerk no i think it's really in terms of the performers that yeah 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 no I, I i had i know a lot of people can get intimidated mm. um but everyone was yeah really nice so i didn't do raw meat monday as my first gig i did in back i did um in snm's um, the gay bar they have the yeah. basement and yeah that was like you'd have like two audience members and like eight comics so I wasn't like so I people are on it seems intimidating to do like it's a still raw, a, a raw meet mm. when you you know eight people could be in the audience or 50 like oh mm. man so well I think it's still in those early days right it's just getting up and performing yeah is the thing yeah and that's tough yeah and you like hope it goes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's right you're working on your technique and your character like is this who i am you know are yeah you are you presenting yeah. your some it's, it's always a version but are you presenting an actual alter ego or is this you you know so. like i feel like even at that very you're probably not even thinking that. no that's even more advanced yeah yeah just like what's funny i'll just try yeah, yeah. and say something funny <laughs> which comes to that thing you said about shock shock value and shock factor yeah. so uh, you know and I think this is a criticism of I, uh, I guess all comedy but certainly New Zealand comedy is yeah the idea that say the word fuck and people will laugh talk about you know toilet humour talk about sex talk mm -hmm. about um, bodies and um, people will that will bring out the laughs and uh, that can be well, I mean, some of that stuff can genuinely be really funny, of course, yeah. but it can also be quite lazy tropes, right? Like, it can be really... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm thinking more when people do edgy... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, actually... Borderline or not borderline racist jokes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...or sexist or, well, that's, you know... But to me, that, that I think, would require... For that sort of shock value, where sure. the crowd goes like, ooh... But that would require a... Generally, I think that would require a... Um, a confidence of maybe a, an intermediate performer, someone who's or no, do no, you, do I you, think I think no, that's that's what you do when you're a beginner and, and then you go, Oh yeah, right. If you're smart you go, Oh, I shouldn't do that and if you're not you'll you'll just be like, Fuck all of you. Mm. Two PC. Because mm -mm. uh, I think you, you see the pros do it and sort of be able to walk that fine line and mm. then you think you can do it. And mm. it's like mm. it's yeah, it's a, it's a subtle it's a subtlety between getting away with it and not. And it must and be it depends on so many factors, even just who you are. Yeah, you know, yeah, If you're yeah. a black person doing a race joke, that's very different to a white person for, you know, it, it, yeah. Regardless of whether they've been performing for twenty five years, you know. Well, if you're a <laughs> if you're a black person doing a race joke, it's commentary. If you're a white person doing a race joke, it's privilege. Mm, yeah. Basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. like <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. You know, and I think, like, another reason I wanted to talk to you was, you know, to get some insight into a person doing comedy now, exactly how you navigate those, I guess, problematic waters, that idea of, like, you know, for, for a lot of us who, who have watched comedy, grown up with it, are fans of it, you know, I mean, I've reviewed comedy, I've studied it in that sense, um, by going to it lots and reading material about it and absorbing it but I've, I've never tried to be a comedian and never mm. would but I'm, I'm a fan of it but the most outrageous stuff that works to yeah. me is there's you can see the element of craft behind it yes. you know there's an actual <clears throat> joke and it's well written yes and so that goes back to you know Richard Pryor or Dave Chappelle or 
you know what even the even the occasionally actual outrageous moments on something very mainstream like Saturday Night Live right you know you can see what they're trying to do that and you can see the level of writing behind it that's my idea yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that but yeah that's the thing that's hard to get right I like, think there are a number of um, factors and in, in getting it right uh, for example like the first, one of the factors would be um, like having, I'm trying to think, like the payoff has to be big enough for the, if you have an outrageous premise about mm. dead babies with cancer or something like, okay, yeah, here yeah. we go, the punchline has to be really good. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're so, just doing a sort of more tame joke, it, it you know, doesn't mm. have to have that big. I also think the other thing is, like, especially looking at the pros, they've found their audience. So if you look at someone like Jimmy Carr, who's definitely mm. not everyone's taste, but he'll do really well because they all know him and they'll let see that type of humor. They're going for that. Whereas That's if right. you're on a yeah. lineup show, show or a nobody, mm. then they're just like, who, who, who's that? Mm. Like, who the hell? So I think that's probably another, another yeah. factor. Yeah, totally. Um, so when did you first bomb and when did you first hit? Did they happen in the same night or really close together? So, the I mean, the first time that I did really well, and I think what keeps you going doing comedy is you need at least in my maybe if I'd bombed my first night I wouldn't have done it again Mm, mm. is that beginner's luck especially when you kill and people who are more experienced do bad and you go I'm a genius yeah yeah I'm better than Uh, that yeah amazing (laughs) and then you you quickly get humbled maybe by your second or third gig but you need that first gig I think in my experience to really just you know Mm. go oh this is amazing so when I did class comedians um, that went really well and I had one joke that James Nick well it wasn't a good joke it was about um, the perfume of a single woman smells like cats in an unshaven vagina or something like it, it wasn't great um, and James Nick was like don't do that don't do that <laughs> um, and I did it and it did went really well yeah, yeah. so you know I was like, yeah yeah so, yeah <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 was the first time going really well. Like yeah. the public setting was class comedians. Yeah, yeah. And it, the, you know, it was at San Fran and it was what Carlson was even saying, it was a big you know. Yeah. Like, big... I mean obviously when you're doing a show like that, uh, and, and I ideally for an open mic as well, the crowd is really supportive and you've got friends to support. I was gonna say, you. yeah, we and we're we're kinda of still in New Zealand I think, you know, comedy's robust now. It never was when I was growing up. It wasn't it, it arguably wasn't when I started reviewing it, but in the last decade it feels really robust. But we're still learning to be a comedy audience, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, in the in the perfect world, the audience is on your side. They they want it. They've gone out because they want to be entertained. Yeah. That you know the the idea of the heckler is pretty old and jaded now. Like the person that goes there to to not enjoy it and, yeah. and to potentially interrupt and disrupt the show. Yeah. That's That sort of doesn't really exist much anymore. Well, not in New Zealand yeah. anyway. I mean, I, I mean, think in, right? in audiences in, in around the world, maybe it's different. Yeah, yeah. Certain gigs have that vibe. Mm. Where New Zealand, people generally don't, don't heckle so much. And yeah. if they do, it's like a quote-unquote supportive. Yeah, or yeah. Or they think they're being helpful type of heckle. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think people... We'll just not really laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Or maybe, you know, because you're used to watching it on TV where you, you know, even if you're really enjoying it, you might just sort of smile. Mm, mm. <laughs> I think being in the room makes you laugh more. But, yeah, mm. audiences do need to bring themselves out of their shell. And yeah. It's the comics job as well to, to sure. make that environment. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, but now we have, and when I say now, again, it's been across the last decade, but now you have, like, you know, lineup shows with an MC yeah. whose job it is to introduce and crowd hype, basically warm up, crowd, warm, yeah. warm up, and and there are people that are very skilled at doing that. Yes, you know yeah. that, that that actually become that becomes their thing. Yeah, you might see them on the bill elsewhere, mm. but their real skill is as an MC. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's all. That all speaks to the kind of the development of the of the form. You know, the fact that it's. The evolution of comedy in yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you go well enough to go, well, I'm going to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. And how long does that last? Well, I mean, I just did Class Comedians. Yeah. And then I think we had one other little show, which was pretty 
meh. Yeah. Um, and then actually, in 2013, we did like a class comedian reunion show when Bats it was like a Bats out of sight thing. And that was okay. I definitely enjoyed that. Um, didn't have a big crowd at that. Mm -hmm. That was alright. And then, then that was it until the start of 2015 when I came back to Wellington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, so you hit the ground running then or you, or you stumble and go, I don't know if this is the right thing at all. What's the kind of path? No, I, I, I got back into it. Um, yeah. I did some gigs. Uh, Boogie Wonderland yeah. was having some like competitions sort of thing. And I think I did, you know, well there. Um, not that, you know, it was a big thing. But mm -hmm. that, you know, little motivations like that where you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and meeting the other comics and stuff. Well, you're not um, doing this to get rich. You're doing no. this to, to get rich um, spiritually. Or what yeah, you, and know, just or to what, see, see yeah, what it's to, like. And, but but and you're trying to... Um, write new material. Yeah, better yourself, better your material and better yourself as a performer. Yeah. And maybe as a person. Um, well, yeah, well, like, I yeah. had nothing else going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Job and so this becomes your... So it's your focus. Yeah. And you're trying to get good at it. And, you know, getting some, you know... Obviously getting money gigs is great and getting all of that, but just... It's just graduated steps on a ladder, right? Like, so if you feel yeah. like you're going up a rung, that, to begin with, and and even still, but to begin with, that's its own form of payment. Yeah. I also think when you're new, you have that sort of shiny, like, oh, this person's yeah. new, but they've got so much potential. Yeah, So yeah. you can really capitalise on that if you choose, or yeah. it's just like a great feeling. Yeah. That, that also helps keep you going when you're not so new and interesting <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't really want to get into a huge conversation around the whole, because um, I, don't, I don't think it, it matters anymore, but just from my perspective, there was always this conversation around women in comedy. And it's like, t I feel like locally, there are so many female comics, non-male comics, that, um, not that it's more one side to the other, but I'm just amazed at the diversity of people that do comedy now. Yeah, I think that is the great thing about comedy is that you can be anyone and do it and you can come out on stage and, I don't know, you could have mm. green skin, I don't know, you could, be, yeah, yeah. you could be just something, whoa, you know, and if you can make people laugh they'll just like come on board with you, mm -hmm. even if they look at you and would judge you the second you walk on stage like, who is this? Like, ooh, what a freak, or whatever. Well, I'm just thinking, I didn't take notes at the time or anything, but just thinking back to a couple of months ago, I think it was, when I saw your headline at the Fringe, um, you know, I, I feel like it was, um, in the minority was male comics that night. Mm, that might have been, like, a choice for right. that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think there are a lot more um, female comics in Auckland, mm. like, the ratio mm -hmm. there's less less so in Wellington, um, but new one you know new female comics and and not yeah non male comics are coming coming up all the time, mm. um, yeah. And is there still a perception you know, but what is the perception of like if not an old boys network then an old comics network? At like I know there are the the pros as you say like that there are the people that are making a full-time living out of it, mm. um, various emceeing and speaking engagements around mm -hmm. that and TV obligations. But that whole kind of, I guess, first wave of TV3 comics, yeah, Michelle Court, Di Henwood, etc. Yeah. Um, Ursula, you know, those are the names a lot of us think of. So they're on a very high level. But um, in between that and to where you are and then lower to you, do the people know where they sit and is it, is it sort of that awkward and graduated like or yeah yeah is it is it that hierarchical uh do you kind feel of. that i yeah. mean i mean there's paying dues and in, in anything you you know of course i mean it, my, my, i think in a bigger bigger scene or a bigger than wellington mm. yeah i imagine it's a lot more like that mm. whereas now it, people people get paid gigs like if you're really good and you're like your third gig mm -hmm. um and like yeah, like in a lot of a lot of pro shows, will have newbie spots and things. So it's it's mm. more a mix. And obviously, if you've only got like 
a handful of like sort of quote-unquote pro or semi-pro comics you can't just have them on all the time so you're kind of forced I guess yeah, the producers yeah. are forced yeah. to get new people to find yeah yeah um, doing through. it which I think is good and well, not bad but um, if, it, if, you're, if it's a pro show and people are paying a lot of money and then there's a new comic who's less experienced and they like do a bad job then you know that might not be mm. great mm. I, don't, I don't know like it's hard, it's hard to talk about it without sounding like a dick, but yeah. Mm -mm. So you move back to Wellington, you start comedy in in earnest, and you've got. Well, I was going to say you've got runs on the board in the sense that you've you've kind of trained and you've kind of performed, but then you've it's been on hold. So you're still very new. You're green. Yes. You're, you are a, a greenhorn. You're you're yeah. new to it and you mentioned, you know, you didn't have a job. This was what you were doing to fill your time and yeah. to and to, to, social life to do then. something. Yeah. That's right, to, to get off the couch or whatever mm -hmm. to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And so how are you able to sustain yourself doing that? When do you know and when do you move into finding work and how do you make that um, compatible like how do you set that up so that you can do both yeah or do something to earn so I, I worked I started working at a call center for like a week <laughs> and I hated that <laughs> yeah so that was when I, I a week in a call center probably almost graduates you you know to the level of being employee of oh, a month I yeah imagine pretty the much is, yeah is yeah pretty supervisor yeah. basically yeah, no, yeah. I, was, I was i was terrible at it <laughs> as well um and that's when i started when i got into sex work and i started doing that instead um and i mean the thing about that is like the flexible hours mean that you never have to turn down a gig for, mm. for any you know it's it's really amazing mm -hmm. for that um and then, yeah, shortly after I started doing comedy about that, which I think sort of got people's attention. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, what sort of, I mean, most, many comics talk about their life. Yeah, That's, absolutely. That is a foundation of, yeah. and, you know, unless you're doing a character, which yeah. is a thing that happens. But, and I think locally, most comics talk about their life. Yeah. And and so many. Some, some people like to embellish the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah I of course. try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm well, where I'm going, where I'm going with this is, you know, your so you're talking about your life and your work and your work is um, I don't know how to describe this, but your work is is um, such that people could think you're dishing dirt. People could think that you're, you know, revealing not just stuff about yourself, but about other people. So, so what oh, decisions? I like oh, that. I oh, there you like, go. Oh. I was, okay, I was going to say what what sort of deep decision making did you have to do to go into that? But you're like, none. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> well, um, I yeah, I, I I I had to tell my parents what I was doing first because I didn't want them to find out mm. from my comedy. But I always intended to talk about it. In comedy, you'd probably disappointed them enough by being a comedian. Yeah. Like, oh the... uh, no, my pe no. That, I mean, like my parents are pretty like creative. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, no, I'm, that. <laughs> I'm attempting to joke. Oh, right. um, but <laughs> no, but, I mean that is yeah, that is yeah. quite like a thing where it's like you know, being a comedian, totally fine with it. Follow your dreams. Being a sex worker, mm, it, it's pushing it. <laughs> well, they would come from a logically being your parents they come from a different generation Absolutely. so it's that yeah. isn't it as well it isn't just um this is our daughter but it's the they've grown up in an era where you know as have i until recently where this sort of thing was off the table it wasn't weirdly for whatever reason it wasn't legitimately a job oh absolutely now it's yeah. legitimately a job and yeah. um you know, it's, it's a, a lot more normalised, especially lot more normalised. among the younger Yeah, yeah that's right. And you are doing um, uh, extra credit and talking about it. Yeah. You are further normalising it, I guess. I suppose so. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the funniest or almost interesting reactions is, is people thinking that I'm lying. Right. That I'm just like making fun of it without yeah, actually yeah. having experienced it, which I think says more about the people who accuse mm. me of that that they think that I couldn't be a sex worker. But is that something that does stereotyping? Like yeah. in their own 
How does that scrambling un- over themselves to be woke mm. or be offended? They are like missing the point. How does that? How does that unfold? Like, have you learnt to kind of play with that and and use that or? I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but I definitely had like a one or two hecklers in the past mm. who, um, sort of like, you know, stop that, stop that. Yeah, like, yeah. What are you talking about? Just extreme doubting. Yeah, which is really part. bizarre. Yeah, like, yeah. What? I'm which not would be, lying. Which, which, in, which in any shape or form in that kind of act is ultimately derailing, right? Because it's like. It's it's just weird. Yeah. Or other comics being like, "Oh, are you actually doing that?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm not." That would be weird if I lied about it. I don't know. I think that'd be well, sort what? of I don't know, stealing sex worker valor or something, <laughs> and and making fun of something that you're mm, not mm. a part of. Well, I thought it was interesting that the show that I saw you headline, you were not the only comic that was a sex worker. Mm, yeah. Uh, so if you want to talk about normalising it, you know, I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. Or whatever, like, you know. I mean, yeah, the, the, other, the other thing is people who are sex workers who think that I'm not a good representation because mm. I'm too, too edgy or offensive yeah. or too privileged. But it's like, well, you're welcome to talk about it. It's just that not many people do. So I'm one of the few that does. So if I become sort of mm. a spokesperson for sex work, that's... That's just by virtue of me being one of the only few people, at least in my knowledge, who does yeah, talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, who has those two hats. But you, um, yeah, I mean, in my experience of your work, you're, like we said at the start, you're kind of selling yourself out if you're selling if you're selling anyone out, you know, rather than naming other names and. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's the classic kind of comedy of self-effacement. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, how does that material, you know, generate for you? Like, are you thinking, like, I can't use this. This is funny. This has happened. This is funny. But I can't, you know, do you get, have you got to that level with it where you think, well, this is actually really funny, but if I use this line, if I tell this story, yeah. if I turn this into a bit... I'm shaming someone or I'm shaming the industry. Yeah, I suppose I don't do a lot of material about like individual mm. sort of clients that I see or anything like that. Um, so I haven't really, I haven't really had that experience. Um, and in some ways that now I'm trying to move away from doing sex work material. Because yeah. I don't want to be no. sort of typecast <laughs> yeah. as a sex worker comedian, but at the same time it is a good point of difference and pe- it is something that people are very like fascinated by mm, as a concept mm, so mm. yeah well as I say I mean like it's it's got this shiny new status as a legitimised yeah absolutely even in the past thing. like since I started six years ago it's it's completely even mm. in just a short five years it's completely changed yeah yeah yeah, yeah the perception yeah, yeah, amazing. and the normalization, which yeah. I think is is good and bad, and I think it does speak a lot to just people being poor, <laughs> not and, and just sort of I wouldn't say being forced into it. That's that's too harsh. But, yeah, but um, recognizing that this is a way to make money, essentially. Yeah, but that it's it's become a more viable option than other quote, yeah. quote normal jobs it's like I, you know I could work at a cafe and do I don't know 12 hour days and be abused mm. by my boss mm. or you know and underpaid and yeah and get no breaks and yeah. da, 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 and it's yeah. like for minimum wage and it's like why would I choose to do that yeah when I could just do sex work so I think there's that sort of like oh there aren't actually a lot of good options necessarily out there for young people who mm. may not have experience or qualifications Mm. so just do this there's so that that's sort of like um a a a tricky conversation Mm. to have Mm. because it's not all I mean, for some people it is super like empowering and da 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 and some people it's more out of like necessity or if you have mental health issues it's great because you you know, you have more flexibility, um, you're not going to get fired mm-hmm. necessarily, things like that. Uh, and there is also a sort of fantasy um, 
where it's like, oh, you know, you can make $10,000 a day, da 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 da, and it's like, that's not mm. the reality I would imagine for 99% of people in the sex industry. Mm, mm. It's, it's hard for me to ask you questions around this without, you know, sounding like some sort of amateur, amateur psychologist or, or, or some concerned uncle. Yeah, yeah. But um, you're, you're now working in two areas mm-hmm. that um, directly take from you emotionally and directly affect your moods. Yeah, I suppose they are both a kind of performance. Mm. But isn't that every... I mean, you could argue that's everything. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, a normal, and you know, quote-unquote... I should stop saying normal job, but, you know... Uh, like like in hospo, you still have to do that emotional labour yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Um, and stand-up, sometimes you do as well if you're not feeling it, but you have to try and go out there and mm, still mm. have that, that Sell energy. the show. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they are, they, there are definitely parallels between the two things in mm. terms of performing and, and trying to... Uh, I don't know, produce a physical response in some way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different ones, but... uh, Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you never know. Uh, Things like that. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting to me because uh, I would think that for a lot of people, comedy requires, in New Zealand particularly... Uh, comedy requires a a safe a safety net, a safe job to fall back on, a safe set of personal circumstances to fall back on. Yeah. And so, for a lot of people coming to grips with sex work as a completely normalised, legitimate, legal thing, mm. um, we wonder if that is safe. And I, don't, I guess I don't just mean physically safe, right. but because, because, you know, we don't, you know, a lot of us don't know anything about it. Right. Apart, so, from, apart from what we've seen in movies over the yeah, years, exactly. you know, or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you mean sort of like if comedy doesn't work out, then you yeah. can go back to Well, whatever. Just, a just, job. Just the overall security idea of... of um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I do honestly think that um, being so open about sex work probably has um, excluded me. Is that the word? Mm. Yeah. I was going to say preclude. I don't think that's the right word. Mm. Excluded me from a lot of, like, more um, regular professions. So then I'm f- maybe I'm sort of painting myself into a corner mm. and forcing myself to be like, well, now you have to be a creative. So maybe yes, that's a good yeah. way to do it <laughs> yeah 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 no exactly i mean i wonder like yeah if you you know you, you go for whatever next job in life you decide you want mm. to do that's completely different to either mm. and people ask well i might your... be unable to do certain jobs yeah even though it is normalized it's still not that normalized yeah you know yeah. if i was like oh i'm going to just become a teacher now yeah 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 they might be like mm. that's what i mean so it gets to your cv so and now experience it's like and people... right i can i um, can only do mm. well maybe not only but i'm it, it limits what i'm able to do so if it but maybe that's a positive what if, if it you forces haven't... me like I, I i i can be a creative or i can be nothing yeah yeah maybe it forces <laughs> me into that into that box which yeah. could be a good motivating yeah. thing yeah I don't know. Well, well, if nothing more, um, if you're um, not at all turned off the idea of being a creative writer outside of a joke writer, yeah, absolutely. you are surely gathering material for a novel, whether you know it or not, in both of your streams of work, True. in both of um, your avenues in life. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot that I could do with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> are, you t- are you taking notes towards that already, or? Um, I don't know. I th- um, yeah, I, I have some like ideas and things that I think mm. would be cool to do mm. for sure. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that's another um, strain of 
New Zealand um, that is of New Zealand literature that's evolving and unfolding is is writing about sex and mm-hmm. writing about uh, kink and writing mm-hmm. about you know that sort of um, the you know the erotica journals and so forth like there right. are there are things yeah. in place that didn't used to be yeah in place or they were always there but they're ever so slightly more overground now like mm-hmm. they were completely underground and now they're a little bit you know yeah. they're they're in the bookstores and they make it yeah, onto the I literary mean, festival I, yeah, I, circuit I mean, and definitely yeah. talking and talking about sex and things like that yeah. it's always getting more yeah. normalized yeah um, yeah for sure. Mm. And so, when do you first bomb really badly on stage? Oh, oh uh, <laughs> Comics love talking about bo- bombing, I think. I Maybe not straight that, after I it's happened. I avoided that question. Maybe that was subconscious. <laughs> talk about sex, but I'm not going to talk about that. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, oof. I'm trying to remember if I had a really bad one early on. I can remember my worst one, maybe not the first, but the worst, one of the worst that I did. Mm. Well, actually, I've had a couple that just make me just want to put my head on my hands when I think about it. Um, so one was in 2016, right after I had won the Royal Quest, the National Royal Quest. Got to, got to include that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like a month later or so, and I, I, I was doing a gig in Kapiti. And it was at like a cafe, so it was, which is already awkward. Yeah, yeah, Everyone's, yeah. Or a restaurant where everyone's sitting down and eating, and yeah, um, all the crowd. I don't think there was anyone in the crowd like under forty, um, which, you know, sometimes like older audiences are great. You know, not that forties like old. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it's not. They just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, they were just sitting there eating, and it was just like. No, nothing. And I, this is not what and we came I just, like, this I is not so what we came out I got so stressed out that I just started forgetting my material. Oh, and I was no. like, uh, yeah. what do I do? It was, so that was pretty um, mm. humiliating. Mm. <laughs> Especially, like, yeah, after winning, you know, a competition. And, and, and that's why I hate being introduced or, you know, at the time when they'd say, you know, winner of this. Because then people go, oh, well, you better be funny if you're, you know. Mm. It's like the expectations are too high. Mm. <laughs> um, and then I also... Uh, early last year I did a gig at the um, Whangamata Hot Rod Festival. Wow. Which I thought was a strange choice to be booked mm. for, but I was reassured, you know, it'll be it'll be great, you'll be fine, they'll love it. Um, so there was like, I don't know, three or four hundred people in, in this big tent. Uh, not not my crowd. <laughs> it was not it's not it's not good. And then you know, maybe if you're a more experienced comic you can yeah. Find a, find a way, a way to bring them on yeah. side. You yeah. know, maybe you start off with very generic sort of jokes about yeah. Hamilton and Jetstar. And yeah, so yeah. they know, oh, okay, they can relax, she's funny. And then you can sort of hit them with some more. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you can feel it, can't you? And you know um, when you've essentially been, you know, yes, a, a, an absolute superstar becomes really good at being able to find the way in but sometimes you were just simply booked for the wrong gig yeah and I, when i say sometimes i imagine in your line of work that's probably 90 percent of the difficulty really is like actually 80 or 90 percent is like yeah someone else should have done this this is or that you know some gigs yeah, yeah. you're like oh yeah um, or they didn't know sometimes they, they surprise you yeah other times you're like i should have known this wasn't gonna yeah, work and yeah. i do think i do think part of it is experience like i, I would never 100 percent blame the audience for me no, of course Bombing, not. Bombing, but I think you can probably, you know, blame anywhere from 90 to 10%. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, exactly. I mean, it's uh, like... Maybe if I had a more experience, if I go back and do that gig in te- five or ten years or even two years, maybe I'd be able to... Yeah. Or, and I think also just having like a... Just like a... Like a... Lots of material. I, I played in an Irish band for years and we would do all sorts of gigs and, you know, sometimes we were the perfect thing for the perfect space and sometimes... We were the worst possible band you could have in, yeah. in and of that moment. And I knew it when I turned up and there's nothing You're you can like, do about it. It's too late. And it's like a lamb to the slaughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like at the end of the day, what is ultimately driving this? Um, yes, someone needed you, but also you needed the money or the opportunity that that yeah. presented. So, so it isn't that you're greedy, but 
it's hard it's you know it's it's, it's stupid down. to turn things down it requires a level of comfort and confidence to go I know the perfect person for that gig and it's not me it's it's this person and I imagine yeah, some if people yeah you're being in, offered a lot of yeah. paid gigs with massive audiences sure you then can you, that's right yeah. but, and I, so I imagine there are some people working in comedy that can do that mm. and that are really helpful to people but Nine times out of ten, it's going to be like, oh, you're going to pay me? I'll turn up and I'll do that gig. And then you get there and go, oh, shouldn't it be I me? mean, it is funny yeah. getting paid because on that one hand, it really softens the blow of bombs. Yes. But also you feel bad, like, oh, I did this free gig to oh, yeah. mic to 20 people yesterday. That was amazing. And then today, yeah. really fucked up. <laughs> that's the it is thing. What it is. That's, that's, that's the, the nature thing of comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is up to the producers as well, I think, to... Like, it's great when they... Obviously, I'm not, you know, mm. thankful for any opportunities, but it is also up to them to think of who's going to be a good fit. No, you just... You know, all of this stuff is... Um, experience. Experience building. Well, you learn more when you, you do bad than when you do well. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, uh, money-wise, too, like, uh, you know, my best ever paid DJ gig mm. was the one I did the least work for. Right, I yeah. Pretty much turned up and press play on a playlist, right. and most of the people there ignored it because it was a, a situation where the party had happened and I was being paid to provide after party yeah. music that really wasn't required. Right. And I was paid very well. Sweet. <laughs> and I thought, I feel a little guilty about this. And then I got home and I thought, this is for the time I played for nine hours and got paid hardly anything yeah and had to start protecting my records exactly. so they didn't get smashed oh and you know and blah 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 and you've already done a, you've done your yards you've, you've done already the work. done all the work yeah so that's it so you have to remember that i think absolutely that, and i imagine that would be very much the case with comedy like you know the the occasional really good paydays um might be your least fulfilling gig personally you might, sometimes you know, yeah yeah but it's all it's all just part of the um, moving forward and the experience gathering. Yeah. Yeah. So do you Definitely. have, I mean, everyone retires uh, jokes and builds new material, mm -hmm. but in this era of comedy where things are questioned quite quickly, and you were talking about shock value stuff when mm. people start out, um, have you had to very quickly retire bits that you've done because you're like, oh, that's, you know, I find that quite funny, but that's actually just can't fly no uh not that i can think of mm. no mm. i think it's just i it would never see the light of day maybe yeah but it is hard with comedy because you do need an audience and you do need to test things in front of in the public so if you yeah, it's do something really bad and then it gets out there and you're yes. like well no, i'm never going to do that joke again can we move on yeah. it's like so it can make um me scared to take risks yeah because it's happening live you as you you know like yes you can write a great line and you can go this is going to work and 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 it does yeah but you really only know in that moment when you deliver it and if when you deliver it someone's or... standing there with their camera phone mm, um, could be yeah could be or just tweeting about or just, it exactly or... and not only are they spoiling the punchline which has always been the 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 bane of a comic's life, but they um, are capturing it if it doesn't go well, yeah. in some sense. Or even if they don't capture it, but yeah. they will remember it. They're bungling it, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that was not And worse good. than that, they're bungling it, you know, they're, yeah. they're retelling it badly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. With all of this stuff is what makes me think, like, if you're a an anxious person, mm -hmm. you know, by disposition, by general mm -hmm. disposition, yeah. if you're a, a shy person, um, if you're in any way socially awkward, yeah, then as fulfilling as it is to kick ass, mm. you've got to sort of stop and go, actually, the deck's a little bit stacked against me. Like, there are all these factors that could really further fuck it up. Um. And I worry as I say this to you that, um, you know... I'm dropping that bomb on you. <laughs> yeah, now you've just given me a new neurosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, no, I just ne I never thought of it like that personally. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, I just, <laughs> and I'm not going to stop yeah. thinking about it like that. Yeah. No, um, no, I don't. I don't know. I just, yeah, I think that, yeah, the nature of comedy is that you fail in a public mm. way. It's not. Mm. People are going to see it mm. if you fail. And, there's some and then it's like, yeah, if I do one bad joke and then I am, 
you know, oh, what if certain producers stop booking me because yeah, yeah. I made an off-colour remark that I shouldn't yeah. because I was trying to experiment and be playful and it's like you need room to be able to do that without sort of getting cancelled mm. to an extent. Mm. Um, so that show that I saw you headline and that Jerome was organising, who I've, who I've talked to before for the podcast, uh, he said to me after, um, I said something about the show, you know, thanks, it was good. And he said, oh, yeah, it started off um, with, a, with a bungled musical cue and it could be quite hard to um, get back on track after that. And that made me realise all of the elements that are involved. Like, I think that show did get back on track, but I know mm. what he meant. Like, the AV person, the tech, right. fucked up the music around the, the first person. Yeah, which is the MC, very, yeah, like, walking on stage. Yeah, or which the, is, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is very bad for them and a little cringe for the audience and a little mm. cringe for the overall... Um, the brand, the overall package that's being True. sold. True, I guess um, that's live and I, performance yeah, though. No, absolutely, but I hadn't really thought about, oh yeah, that filters all the way back to like you on that night, the headliner, and some people's minds, that's there, like is that going to happen again? Mm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a like, um, I don't know, I, I go and watch live theatre, and mm -hmm. when they pour a glass of wine, I think, Oh, they might break that. They might knock that over. So you're like... And I'm almost kind of anticipating it. I don't want it to happen. I want it to go well. I love watching good actors right. do a great job. You just can't stop focusing I've on I've only that. seen it happen once. Yeah. And it, it did happen. And that's exactly what happened. The guy put down a glass of wine and the, the base of it snapped off and he was stuck with a glass of wine full of wine that he couldn't put, put down. down. And because it was a having a drink at home with his partner scene, he was able to improvise, go off stage get a cloth, get a, make out like it was an actual spill. Like, yeah, And smart. totally improvise, which is what a seasoned actor does. Yeah. But I realised when that happened, I've almost been willing that to happen in every performance I've seen, but at the same time hoping it never does. Like I live on that knife edge and I felt the same way about the comedy thing. Like well, anything could go wrong in a moment, which is, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's the kind of beauty of comedy. Of live is performance. Is that sometimes, yeah. or just comedy specifically, yeah. sometimes... The really bad nights where everyone is just not good, like because maybe they're new, it's their first time performing and they're just not funny. Sometimes they are, I guess, in their own perverse way, as funny as seeing a really oh, good yeah. show. Yeah, it's more cringe. We're like, oh my god, <laughs> I, I, that's I, entertainment. Watching people like um, embarrass themselves. Although no. I think a lot of people are like, oh, actually, I just feel really bad for them. It's like I have it's this like sort of laughing at them, but also being yeah. like, we're supporting you. <laughs> I have this series of blog posts that I do occasionally called. Um, it was the worst, and it's basically a catalogue of like the ex actual worst cultural experiences I've had to sit wow. through. So anything from a bad live show to a, you know, a really really bad album or film or whatever, where you had a high expectation. Yeah. And um, I haven't written about this one yet, but about three years ago, I went to Melbourne mm -hmm. when the comedy festival was on by coincidence, and we were looking for something to do, and walking through the town and all of the comedians were out with their flyers pimping their shows yeah. and we thought great we've got nothing to do we'll go and get dinner and go to a show and this guy came up to us and he handed me the flyer and he was very charming and funny and friendly yeah. and warm and he really sold his show to us yeah. and we went to it and it is the worst thing I have ever seen wow. and not only that as soon as he got on stage his whole demeanour change shifted yeah. that he was awkward he was nerve I mean obviously it was all around nerves <laughs> and it was gutting and I for three years have flip-flopped around the idea of I want to write about this I don't want yeah. to write about it to expose him of course I mean he's not anyone I think in New Zealand at least that's going to you know it's not going to mean anything but yeah. I really I really have this need to unpack that because what makes me think of it when you say that is in some weird way, that was a very memorable show for me. Right, you yeah, know? absolutely. Because I have, I've actually never seen anything like it. Like, yeah. he botched just about every joke he tried. Oh. He constantly, um, you know, he constantly fretted around the fact that not enough people were there. Right, and it was well, how, sort how of many like, people were there? Oh, you know, I reckon there was probably eight or nine in a very yeah. you know I think 20 would have maxed it out right so it was undersold but Eight, mm, I think anything less than 10 is, is hard yeah 10 yeah. and above you're like okay yeah yeah I <laughs> can try and well, do it the other thing that's tricky right is and this comes up a lot in, in the arts is 
don't criticize the people who are there you know and that's yes but that's how yes. so that's how it came across so every time his joke wasn't working he sort of went well it'll be funnier if there were more people here and it's like but we're here mm. and we're here on your goodwill and we don't find it funny so now you're actually insulting us you know like you're actually you know yeah you're the one that needs to do the work not us like we're trying but you need to be trying harder. It was a really... It's hard, yeah. And this I, weird, I, I, unspoken dialogue. I mean, yeah, obviously, you feed off... It, the, the crowd yeah. feeds off their performance energy, performer feeds off the crowd's energy. And it is really hard, and, and I, I, I kind of don't know how people do it. I mean, no. when you see, like, um, shows in the Fringe Festival, maybe they're at a big venue like Fringe Bar, and there's eight people there, and they're on the big stage, and they just just giving it the same level. They're giving it their all the way they would if there were 100 people there. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's really hard, yeah. but like very like admirable. And that's the only way that you could get any kind of response. Because obviously if you, yeah, if you got yeah. there and you're like, oh, no one's here, oh, this, I'm just going to chill out. Like, no, this, oh. this guy got to the point where he was like, he looked down at his set, he obviously had a set list of some kind on the floor mm. and he said, um, this isn't going well, is it? And people said no. And there was a guy in the audience who was kind of heckling him, oh. but was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, was super funny. Yeah. Everything he said, he oh, was no. on. And so, <laughs> you know, it was just an absolute... That does sound like a nightmare. It was incredible. It was like everything that could go wrong could go wrong for this guy. And then he said at the end, I've got three jokes left. I'm just going to rip through them, please. Then I can say I've finished this. And yeah. he just read out his three yeah. jokes. And the final one was an absolute clangor, which was the whole kind of pun on the title of the show and everything uh -huh. and um everyone applauded at the end and it was kind of like when people stand around to watch the the slowest person finish the race you know it was uh. it was it was but it was kind yeah. of, the energy shifted and it was kind of beautiful it was yeah. kind of like you made it like yeah it was such a sympathy clap got, yeah but it was such a sympathy clap but it was like he ran a nine-hour marathon you all, you all you know? also had to go through it that's it well. it was like he ran a nine-hour marathon and we've been waiting for seven hours from yeah. to finish like and so we all kind of shared in this moment at the end that like yeah you can you can tick you this one it. off yeah. you did it it was just so, you know, and maybe wow. I don't need to write that thing now because you've helped me, you've listened to me and yeah, I've unpacked it, but yeah. that's been on my mind. It's for a good like, ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as good as could be. That's right. Yeah. Like that's That's been on my mind for like three years. Mm. In some ways it was more wow. memorable than a, good show. <laughs> a really great show. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I've seen some of the biggest names in comedy over yeah. the years, you know, yeah. like, wow. yeah, funny, eh? You had... Um, two two um, jobs that were probably both massively affected by COVID-19. Um, yeah. Maybe no more than, maybe in some ways no more than anyone. But, no, I but, mean, I got, I, got the, I got the wage subsidy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I got to just So you got to love and hang out and, and, and do your thing. But um, I imagine there's like a, maybe an extra trepidation around stepping back into those roles, D doing you know doing those different kinds of work because, well, they both for a start involve other people. <laughs> um, not really. I feel pretty no. like safe mm. at the moment mm. in terms of that. Yeah. Uh, right after lockdown, comedy was amazing. Like everyone wanted to go out and see yeah. the bars and see yeah. things. And so it was like, oh, let's well, that was that, that was that mood at the show that I went to, which, you know, was just like, it was nice to be in a crowd of people that were like, and it's been, I've only been to a couple of music gigs, really, three mm. or four, and that's been the vibe overall that's at great. all of them. Yeah, people, um, people want to be entertained again. Yeah. Uh, great, uh, that, that and and only, people are recognising that it can happen here and not in many other places. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that only lasted a couple of months, <laughs> yeah. and then it just went on yeah, back yeah. to normal, but yeah. it, it, was, it was really great while it lasted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, a, kind of the high you chase, right? Like that's yeah. Enough, uh, that would have been just enough to selling out sort of effortlessly. It feels like things like that. Yeah. When you're doing a show. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah. So what's um, what's in the pipeline and what's next? What what do you just are you just, you know, carrying on building your work? Keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm hoping to do comedy next year. Just yeah. Just like a. Just like a half hour with someone else. Yeah, yeah, split show. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So really. And that, will that, that be the first time hour. for you doing that amount of work in the festival? Or no, I've done. I I had a solo show in twenty seventeen, and I've mm. done uh, a couple of half hours mm. before. Mm -hmm. um, half hours are great because it's like 
you you feel like you're putting in a lot of work and you're doing yeah like you're building a, a show a, a and thing a good yeah. quality thing but it's not quite as intimidating as a whole hour no and you're sharing it with someone yeah sharing so, the burden of yeah. all the re- registering and all of that um yeah so hopefully i get accepted for comedy festival next year i it'll definitely be different because of covid and mm. i mean it's yeah this year yeah, everyone is so up in the air like you know who knows in in may next year we could be in i hopefully not t- touch wood mm, we could be mm. in level three or four but hopefully we'll still be at level one and it will mm. be pretty much normal with no international acts coming in um yeah so that's definitely one of the things that i'm you know mm. yeah. yeah it feel, feels like it could be a really good a really good year for the comedy festival next year with that just local locals. focus like yeah that seems to you know the jazz festival that's upcoming and, and a couple of other things where that's had to be the the pivot basically that that's uh, quite yeah hopefully quite people cool. still come out i think yeah. they will yeah uh and also even if you are a local and a smaller person you really get out what you put in in terms of advertising like i remember yeah when i did a split show with uh, ray o'leary in 2018 like you know we were selling out um because just just by putting a lot of effort into marketing and things like that whereas like next door you could have like an international who wasn't doing so mm. great mainly because they were unknown but even just the flavor of oh international you won't be able to see them you know every week yeah 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 it wasn't enough if they didn't put effort into like mm. really marketing it. <laughs>